It is my privilege to present to you our guest speaker for this morning in the person of Reverend Gary Taylor. Brother Taylor resides in the state of Texas, but is originally from the state of Alabama. And having conversations with him and, and preparing for our time and service together, we understood that we share some common things in the ministry, both of the same age and the same month, about eight days apart. Combs is here a little differently than I do, but God loves him too. And I'm only teasing. But what a powerful word he brought in the first service. And how God used him in a timely way. He's a graduate of Lee University. He's been a pastor for 22 years. He's an evangelist now. He has ministered in this denomination and elsewhere in large and small settings. He's been a leader and a, a just a wonderful shepherd of the Lord and a preacher of the word. Would you give a South Metro Ministries welcome to Reverend Gary Taylor as he comes for the word for this moment. Would you give that clap to the Lord now? Come on, you can do better than that. We give it to you, Lord. Remain standing, if you will. Let me tell you what's about to happen. Remain standing. Sunday's the first day of the week. Jesus rose on Sunday. Sunday's the first day of the week. The rest of your week will be blessed because you gave him today. Because you gave him today, he'll bless the rest. You see, the whole kingdom operates on the principle of first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Anytime you give God the first, he always blesses the rest. So I'm going to tell somebody, get ready, you're fixing to have a great week. Get ready, you're fixing to have a blessed week. You might as well get ready for a good week because you gave God the first. Now He's going to bless Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He's going to bless the rest because you gave Him today. Let's give Him praise one more time. Oh, yeah. How many feel good this morning? How many believe you're good looking this morning? Wave at me. Before you sit down, turn to three people and tell them if you looked any better, I'd have to hug your neck. It is such an honor to be with you today. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to share today with you and your wonderful people. You have honored me by allowing me to spend today with you, and I appreciate it so very, very much. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go to Luke chapter 7. In the New Testament, we're going to be preaching from Luke chapter 7 this morning. And I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, open your Bible to Luke chapter 7, and leave it open. There's some things I think you not only need to hear, but you also need to see. Go with me to Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, there are three miracles. There's a great miracle, there's a greater miracle, and there's the greatest miracle, all in Luke chapter 7. It begins with a great miracle, because when you begin reading Luke chapter 7, you read about a centurion man who comes to the Lord. The centurion man simply means he was a military man. He was in the military. So a military comes, man comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, my servant at home is sick. Now the Bible tells us two things about his servant. Number one, the Bible says that this servant was very dear to him, very close to him. And he loved his servant very much. Secondly, it told us that he was very sick. He was nigh unto death. He was about to die. He comes to the Lord and says, Lord, my servant at home is sick. And when he says that, the Lord says, well, I'll come home with you. And then the man looks at Jesus and says, oh, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, no, no. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But if you will but speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. The Bible said that Jesus marveled at this man's faith and said, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. I've never seen faith like this. All throughout Israel, I've never seen anybody with the faith that this man's got. And Jesus spoke the word. And the Bible says that when Jesus spoke the word, that servant that was back home sick was healed instantly, got up and went about his daily chores and activities, all because Jesus spoke the word. I'm here to tell somebody that is a great miracle, all because Jesus spoke the word, the man got healed. That is a great miracle. 
But not only do we find a great miracle, we find a greater miracle in Luke chapter 7. Jesus leaves there and goes on his way and goes into a small village. As Jesus enters into a small village, there's a funeral procession going on. Scripture tells us there was a widow woman there who had lost her only son. Her only son had died. No doubt that morning that family and friends and neighbors had all gathered together to support her in her day of loss. They'd had the funeral service, and now they're on their way to the cemetery to lay that boy's body to rest. And as they're on their way, Jesus comes up on the funeral procession and stops it. He walks over to where the dead boy is lying. He goes over there to that cot that dead boy's lying on, and he says this word. He says, Arise. When he said the word arise, life came back into that dead boy's body. He sat up and got up that day. And I'm telling you, don't you know that was one happy mama that day? Knowing that she didn't go to the funeral home or she didn't go to the cemetery to lay him to rest, she took him home and cooked him supper. Don't you know that was a happy day that day? What was a day of mourning turned into a day of celebration because Jesus had said the word arise. That was a greater miracle. But what I want to focus on for a few moments this morning is the greatest miracle in Luke chapter 7, and it begins at verse 36. For in verse 36, it says that Jesus went home with a man by the name of Simon. He and his disciples went home with Simon to eat that day. They were going to have a meal together. And I'll be honest with you, it really caught my attention that Jesus went home with this man by the name of Simon because the scripture says he was a Pharisee. Now, if you know anything about the Pharisees, you know that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nobody gave Jesus more headaches than the Pharisees. They were his biggest critics because he did not always do everything the way they thought he ought to do it. Therefore, they were always dogging him. They were always criticizing him. They were always blasting him because he didn't do everything like they thought it ought to be done. Because here's what we know about the Pharisees. They were a group of religious people who believed that your holiness and your righteousness and your relationship with God was all based on how well you could keep the law. And they believed in dotting every I and crossing every T. They kept the law to the T and they believed that all that you got from God was based on how well you could keep the law. And here's what we know about the law. The law was good. The law had its place. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. But here's what we know about the law. The law had limitations. The law could only do so much for you. The law could not do everything for you. For instance, when I go to Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, the law was weak. He says, in that the law was weak. What do you mean it was weak? It couldn't do everything for you. In other words, it could tell you what sin was, but it did not give you the power to overcome sin. It could define what was right and wrong, but it did not give you the ability to rise above what was right and wrong. In other words, it could tell you what sin was, but it didn't have the power to save you from sin. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. In that the law was weak, which it had its limitations, God sent forth his son to do for us what the law could not do for us. Here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. You could quote the Ten Commandments and still be lost. Are the Ten Commandments good? Sure, they're good. Do we need the Ten Commandments? Sure, we need the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments have their place. But I'm going to tell you, you can memorize them and quote them and still be lost because the Ten Commandments cannot save you. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to save you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so here's this man who is a Pharisee that believed everything was according to the law. Watch this. And Jesus goes home with him. He and his disciples go to Simon's house and they're having a meal. Now, Jesus is in his house having a meal with the disciples and Simon. And all of a sudden, notice what happens now in Luke chapter 7. While they're having their meal together, verse 37, a woman enters the house. A woman walks in the door. Here's Jesus, Simon. 
his disciples, they're sitting around the table, and a woman walks in this house. And you see, I'm, I'm not even sure she was invited. I'm not even sure she got an invitation to come to this meal. But somehow, somewhere, she heard that Jesus was in that house. And she had made up her mind, I'm going to get to Jesus, even if I have to go inside of a house that I'm not invited to. And she walks inside the house. Now, I want you to notice, Luke does not give us her name. We do not know what her name is according to Luke. But if you read the Gospel of John, John tells us her name was Mary. So here's what we know. Mary walks into the house where Jesus, Simon, and the disciples are having a meal. She just walked in. Now notice how Luke does describe her. If you have your Bibles, look with me at verse 37. It says, she was a sinner. This is what Luke has to say about this woman. She was a sinner. That's how he describes her. A sinner woman walks into this house uninvited where Jesus, the disciples, and Simon are having a meal. As a matter of fact, I'll share with you what Jesus had to say about her. Look at verse 47. Jesus even said her sins were many. Her sins were many. So a sinner woman who has many sins, walks into this house. Did you know that most Bible scholars believe that this woman was a prostitute? Most Bible scholars believe that this woman was a prostitute. She made her living by selling her body. She came from the bad side of town. She came from the wrong side of town. She has a terrible reputation. She has a bad name. Ladies, you don't want your husband hanging out with this woman. You don't want her around this woman. Here is a woman who is a sinner that even Jesus says has many sins, that many believe is a prostitute, and she walks in this house uninvited. Now, notice what happens. Notice the setting. Jesus is sitting at the table. On one side, he has a Pharisee. On the other side, he has a prostitute. Now, folks, you want to talk about mixed company. Jesus is now in mixed company. He has a Pharisee and a prostitute. Notice what he does now as she comes into the room. He changes his focus. All of this meal, his focus has been on Simon. Because after all, it is Simon's house. But now when this woman comes in, he changes the focus from Simon and he begins having a dialogue with this woman. He begins having a conversation with this sinner woman. He begins talking to this woman who has many sins. He begins talking this woman that many think is a prostitute. Now he has changed the total focus of the room is upon that woman. Now I'm going to tell you Simon is not happy. I want you to know it's his party. This woman has crashed his party. I mean he set the whole thing up. He cooked the meal. It's his house. It's his table. And now this woman is getting all the attention. Can you imagine that? Do you know what the Bible says? He begins thinking if you only knew Jesus who you talking to. If you only knew her name, if you only knew her reputation, if you only knew what side of town she came from, if you only knew her... Read it. It it tells that he begins thinking all of this about it. And did you know Jesus continually focuses on this sinner woman? Did you know that Simon is not happy she's in the house? But Jesus gives total attention to her. He begins having a conversation with her. He begins welcoming her into the house. I'm going to say something to you. You don't know me. You don't know me. The only reason I'm here is pastor was good enough to allow me to come be with you today. You don't know me. I don't know you, but I'm going to make a statement to you. I pray you will receive and never forget. I pray this for your church. Here's what I pray. I pray that in this house, sinners are always welcome. I pray you will have an open door policy to sinners. I pray you will open your doors wide. 
wide open and say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is not a selective gospel. This is not a gospel where you and I pick and choose who can be in this house. This is not a selective gospel where you and I choose this one can be saved, but that one can't be saved. This one can come to the Lord, but that one can't come to the Lord. You say, Brother Gary, what are you praying? You praying we have more rooms? We praying we have more buildings? You praying we have more money? The first thing I'm praying is you will fall in love with sinners, that you will love the ungodly. You know what you need to do when sinners come into this house? You need to understand they may not look like you, they may not talk like you, they may not dress like you, they may not sing like you, but Jesus died for them. Jesus gave his life from them. And you know what? We cannot look down a self-righteous nose at them thinking we're better. I want to tell you the only difference between me and a sinner is I have been forgiven. I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And you know what you need to do? You need to love sinners. Why? So that your pastor can get up and tell them about the love of God and how Jesus died for them. You know what I say? Oh, God, fill this house with sinners so we can tell them about the grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody clap your hands and shout yes. Come on, clap your hands and shout yes. I'm telling you, the church needs to love sinners. Now, watch what happens. He totally focuses on this woman. And here's the third miracle. Go with me to verse 48. He looks at this woman named Mary. He looked at this woman who was a sinner. He looked at this woman who has many sins and says to her, your sins are forgiven. Greatest miracle in the world. Your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle in the world to know that what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago on a cross can be applied to your life today by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the day you were born again was the greatest miracle you will ever experience in all this world to know that you have been saved. It's the greatest miracle in the world. How many here today, you've been born again? Can I see your hand? Hold your hand up. How many of you know your sins are gone? How many of you know Jesus took care of your past? How many of you know you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? How many of you think old things are passed away? All things have become new. How many of you are thankful your past is gone? You know what we've got? We've got people running all over the country trying to find miracles. Oh, I want to find a miracle. We've got people chasing Rod Parsley. We've got people chasing T.D. Jakes. We've got people chasing Benny Hinn. I want a miracle. I want a miracle. I want to show you the greatest miracle. If you've been born again, you go home, look in a mirror, and say, I see the greatest miracle there ever was. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I'm telling you, the greatest miracle in the world is to know you have been redeemed and your past is gone and you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That is the greatest miracle of all. Somebody clap your hands and shout yes. I have experienced the greatest miracle in the world. You have experienced the greatest miracle in the world. I'm telling you, there's nothing like forgiveness. I said there's nothing like forgiveness. You didn't hear me. There's nothing like forgiveness. Do you realize what happened when Jesus looked at this sinner woman and said, your sins are gone? Number one, it released her from yesterday. It released her from her past. Oh, yes, it does. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Say that. Old things are passed away. Say it. Old things are passed away. You know what happened when you got saved? The first thing that happened was Jesus released you from your past. Secondly, he gave you a brand new future. Praise God. He gave me a brand new future. I don't know about you. I'm just glad I got a future. Because I'm going to tell you what the devil loves to do. The The devil loves to remind you of your past. The devil loves to bring up your past. The devil loves to dig up your past. And the devil loves to throw it in your face and say you don't have anything to live for. But I've come by to tell somebody this morning, the devil is a liar. I got a future. The devil is a liar. I got a tomorrow. The devil is a liar. My past is gone. And I I've got something worth living for all because I've been forgiven. Now, let me tell you why this is the greatest miracle. Because this miracle had to do with her soul. The other two miracles, the miracle of the servant and the miracle of the young boy had to do with a body. When Jesus spoke the word and the servants got healed, that had to do with his body. 
When Jesus said the word arise to a young boy on a cot, that had to do with his body. But this miracle had to do with his soul. And Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? You see, this miracle is an eternal miracle. This miracle changed her destiny. This miracle changed her. She's in heaven today because Jesus forgave her of her sin. It's an eternal thing. It lasts forever. And here's what I know. Those two miracles that had to do with the body. Let me tell you, we praise God for them. We rejoice over them. They're awesome. We praise God for every time God heals a body. We praise God every time God delivers a body. We pray. But here's what I know about bodies. They're temporary. They don't last forever. We all know these bodies do not last forever. There's going to come a day if Jesus tarries, these bodies will die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. These bodies are temporary. And I know, I, I don't care how good the shape you, t- I don't care how good you take care of it, it's still temporary. I hope you live to be a hundred years age. But you know what? The odds are against it. Most of us will not make it to a hundred years of age. Most of us will not make it because these bodies are temporary even when you try to take care of it. I'm 53 years old. Now, I know that's a shock to you, and I know I don't look it. I know when you said that, oh, I can't believe he's 53. I know I looked in the mirror this morning, couldn't believe it. Dear Lord, 53 years old. And my wife has told me on many occasions, you better take care of yourself because I want you around for a long time. I don't care. I know the insurance is paid, but I still want you around for a long time. She's always telling me to eat right. You got to eat right. She's fussing at me just this, this, this past weekend, Friday night. We went to Walmart. She's fussing at me in Walmart because of way I eat. You eat too much junk. You got to cut down. You need to, you, you, you need to join a spa. You, you need to start working out. You need to start pumping iron. You, you, you need to lose some weight. You need to, you need to, you just need to take care of yourself. And I looked at her and I said, honey, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, I, 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 I'm so, I haven't always been this buff. You know what I mean? It, it's like, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying, you know, and all of the vitamins we take. My wife's got me on vitamins. I'm taking vitamins every day now. For when I call her this afternoon, one of the first things she'll say is, did you take those vitamins? I, honey, I took them vitamins. I'm, 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 I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to exercise. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm taking my vitamins. I, I told the early crowd this morning, not long ago, I promise this happened. I'm preaching at a church and a woman comes up to me after service. I didn't, I, you know, she was sells cosmetics and she come to me after service. She said, Brother Gary, I got something for you. I said, what is it? She had a bottle of anti-wrinkle cream. She said, I noticed why you was preaching. There's some wrinkles on the side of your face, Brother Gary. I noticed you got some wrinkles under your eyes. And said, said I just want to give this to you. I told that woman, I ain't got no wrinkles. Who are you talking to? Uh, she said, oh, yes, you do. I see them, Brother Gary. She said, take this home. It'll help you get rid of those wrinkles. I, I, I didn't want it, but I took it. I took it home. I told my wife, a woman gave me some anti-wrinkle creams. And I was upset. I put that bottle down. I said, I'm not using it. I refu- I will not put that on my face. My wife said, good, I will, and she took it. What are you saying? We're trying to get these bodies to last as long as they will. We're doing everything we can to get them to last. And honey, some of us are looking good. I had somebody tell me the other day, you're looking good for your age. Oh, don't you hate that. Couldn't they just leave that last part off? But here's what I'm telling you. Take good care of it. Eat right. Exercise. Take your vitamins. Buy that anti-wrinkle cream. I don't care. But I'm telling you, it's only temporary. It only lasts for a little while. But here's the good news. When we get to heaven, we're getting a glorified body. When we get to heaven... We're getting a brand new body. This body is not going to heaven with me. I'm going to lay it back down. It will return to the dust of the ground from which it came. But when I step inside of heaven, this mortal shall put on immortality. And this corruption shall put on incorruption. I'm getting a glorified body. I'm talking about a body that will never wear out. I'm talking about a body that will never get old. I'm talking about a body that will never get sick. I'm talking about a body cancer can invade it. MS cannot invade it. I'm talking about a body diabetes cannot touch. I'm talking about a glorified body. We're getting a new body in heaven. 
Now look at me. That's good news for some of us. Some of us ought to be praising God right now. Because every miracle that has to do with the body is great, but it's temporary. But the miracle that has to do with the soul lasts forever. Look at me. You're saved forever. You're redeemed forever. This is not a little temporary fix. We're going to live in heaven forever. We're going to rule and reign with Jesus forever. This is an eternal thing. And that's why this is the greatest miracle in the world is because it's a miracle that changes your destiny and your eternity forever and ever and ever. That's what it does. Give the Lord praise today because, you know, you're saved forever. And when I go to Luke 10, I find that the disciples come to the Lord one day and they're all excited. Here's what they're excited about. They found out there is power in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody here today you found out there's power in the name of Jesus? How many know there's power in the name of Jesus? Devils tremble at the name of Jesus. The 70 disciples came to the Lord and they were all excited. Here's what they said. They said, Lord, we found out there's power in your name. We've been going around the city casting out devils. They've been out looking for devils. You got any devils in your house? We started a new ministry called Casting Out Ministries. And we'll cast them out. They were all excited. Do you know what Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 10? Don't rejoice because devils are subject to you. But you rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven. I want to tell you what happened the day you were born again. The day the Lord forgave you of your sins, Jesus wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life. He wrote your name down. We're on planet earth right now, but our name is already in heaven. We've already got our reservations made because our name is written in heaven. And let me tell you, no devil can take it out. My name is written in heaven. You know what Jesus said do about that? He said, rejoice. He said, you rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Rejoice about it. Rejoice about it. Rejoice about it. Here's my concern. My concern is the church has forgotten how to rejoice. I'm going to tell you something. We live in a world that likes to rejoice. We live in a world that likes to have a party. I promise you, on February the 7th, on Sunday night, down in Miami, Florida, when the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl, honey, there was some celebration going on on Bourbon Street. And it lasted for days. Some of it was probably ungodly, but there was celebration going on. I promise you one thing, last year when the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA Finals, you better believe there was some partying going on in L.A. because they won the Finals. Last year, the New York Giants, or the New York, I can't get it right, the New York Yankees won the baseball, won, won the tournament, they're champions, and there was some partying going on. But look at me, you and I. Celebrate something greater than a touchdown. You and I celebrate something greater than a three-pointer. Some of you, you got to understand, honey, this is better than a home run. Honey, this is knowing you're saved forever. And Jesus said, rejoice about it. He said, rejoice about it. Now, let me talk about us just a minute. Here's one thing about us Pentecostals, and I'm one of us. I can talk about us. I don't want nobody else talking about us, but I'll talk about us. Us Pentecostal people, if we're not careful, we put a lot of emphasis on feeling something. You got to feel something. I've been to churches, I could tell they're trying to pump us up. They're trying to rev us up. You know, if these musicians and these singers can get us pumped enough and we feel something, if this pastor can preach in such a way that I feel something, because we base a lot on feelings. I want everybody to look at me. 
I'm not saved because of a feeling. I'm saved because of a cross. And I'll go ahead and tell you, there have been days I didn't feel saved. You may think less of me, but honey, I've had some days I was pastoring the church. I didn't even feel saved. I've had some days my wife wondered if I was saved. I got two boys. I've had some days they wondered if I was saved. We had a dog named Scooter. Honey, there's some days even Scooter wondered if I was saved. I walked in the house. He went and hid. He knew. Your dog knows. But look at me. I'm not saved because of a feeling. I am not saved because of a feeling. I can feel bad and be saved. I can be sick and be saved. I don't have to feel good. It's got nothing to do with a feeling. I'm telling you, on your worst day, you're still saved. On your bad day, you're still saved. I'm telling you, your name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the devil can't take it out. You're saved forever. I pastored for 22 years. I was amazed at what we allowed to control us. You would be amazed at what we allow to control us emotionally. Look at me. I don't want my emotions controlling me. I want me controlling my emotions. If you're a believer and all you do is live by feelings and emotions, you're in store for a long, hard ride. We don't serve God by feeling. We serve God by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You'd be amazed at what control us. You know what I'm talking about. You ever had one of those weeks everything went bad? Washing machine broke. You ain't got the money to get it fixed. Now you got three days of laundry packed, stacked up. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about your car broke down. And it's going to take $350 to get it fixed. You don't have $350. I'm talking about your baby's sick. Dear Lord, do you know what it's like taking a baby to the doctor these days? Lord, have mercy. I'm talking about your kids are acting up. I'm talking about your kids. Yeah, I've had teenagers. I understand. I'm talking about you'd like to lay hands on them without prayer is what you'd like to do. Your kid's acting a fool. Your mother-in-law came. She was supposed to be there a week. Now she's been there three weeks because her car broke down too. And she's eating you out of house and home. I'm talking about that boss that gets on your nerves. I mean, if you could really tell him how you feel, but you got to hold on to that job. It's the only thing you got. You put up with him just to get a paycheck because you got to have it. Listen, I'm from Alabama. I know. Listen, you would be amazed at what we allow to control us. You let the Alabama Crimson Tide lose a football game. That's okay. You Georgia Bulldog fans ain't no better. <laughs> yeah, you let Alabama and the Auburn Tigers let them. Mm-hmm. They're some of the worst. I remember one Saturday, Alabama Auburn both lost, and they always schedule these games. I have to preach the next day, <laughs> and you should have seen them coming in church that day. We should have won that game. Our quarterback hadn't got hurt. We got to fire that coach. That's what we need. We need a new coach. Stand up. Let's sing unto the Lord. I got up one Sunday and I told him. Folks, look at me. It's just a ball game. Get over it. There are some things more important than a ball game. I said there are some things more important than a ball game. Get over it. 
And I'll tell you something else. Let it, let Sunday be a cloudy day. Oh, Jesus. Let it be cold and windy and rainy. Let it be a bad weather day. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, we got folks won't get out. Oh, dear G. I, oh, Lord. I, I, it's raining in Chattanooga. I better stay in today. It, it just, I heard it's raining up in Chattanooga. You know, it, 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 I understand it's snowing in Virginia. We better get, we better not get out today. It's snowing. You would be amazed at what we allow to control our emotions and control our feelings. And then we wonder why we're so inconsistent and we don't have victory and what's wrong with us. Look at me. I got a word for you. You may have been through hell this week. You may have had a bad week this week. Maybe your car broke down. Maybe your washing machine broke down. Maybe your baby got sick. Maybe your kids are acting a fool. Maybe your mother-in-law won't leave. Maybe your boss is driving you crazy. Maybe your ball team lost. And maybe the sun's not shining. But look at me. You can walk through those doors saying, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving. I will come before His presence with praise. I I will magnify the Lord. Oh yeah, I'm going to bless His name. I can praise Him even when I've had a bad week. I can praise Him when everything's gone wrong. I can praise Him when I'm broke. Well, Brother Gary, I'm waiting on everything to be perfect. Well, then you will never praise Him. I'm telling you, we can praise a perfect God in an imperfect world. We can magnify our God even when things go wrong, all because our name is written down in the last book of life. Your sins are forgiven. How many give me five more minutes? I know I've got to hurry. Can, can I have a few more minutes? You understand forgiveness is a gift from God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Somebody say that. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.8, Paul made sure the church at Ephesus understood this. And he says, you are saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. Nobody can brag about it. It is the gift of God. Paul told the church at Corinth, now thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You know what they tell us? The average American has a vocabulary of 10,000 words. Some got more, some got less. 10,000 words. But in your vocabulary of 10,000 words or more, you don't have enough words to describe this gift. I don't know if you know it, but Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you. You may not know it, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you. You may not realize it yet, but I'm telling you, there's going to come a day you're going to wake up and say, I didn't know it then, but Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. I want to make an announcement. Not one person in this house, including the person at the pulpit, not one person in this house is worthy of the gift. Well, Brother Gary, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know what? I woke up one day and I realized I'm not worthy. But look at me. Just because I'm not worthy, that doesn't stop it. Jesus died for the ungodly people who do not deserve it. Look at me. That's the only way I qualify. If you're going to start a list at who's unworthy, put me at the front of it. I'll be the first to tell you, I don't deserve anything God's done for me. I don't deserve to be saved, but I am saved. I don't deserve for my name to be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, but it is. I don't deserve for Him to wash me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, but I am Get ready. I don't deserve to have the Holy Ghost, but I do. I don't deserve to be preaching, but I am. I don't deserve to be blessed, but I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed, and I don't even deserve it. Somebody praise Him because you're blessed. Somebody praise Him because you know you're blessed. I want somebody you know you don't deserve it, but you're blessed to praise Him. I don't deserve what God has done for me. Oh, come on, praise Him. Oh, come on, praise Him. 
Praise Him. Praise Him. Where's my keyboard man? Where'd he go? I need, where's he at? Is he gone? Praise God. He's coming. Praise God. Where's he at? I can't find him. My God. I can't preach without a piano player. Come here, Pastor. You got a watch? Yes, sir. Okay. Come here. Stand right here. Now, you got a watch. Show everybody you got a watch. Everybody sees he's got a watch. Okay, now look at me. This is just an illustration. You cannot have this watch. Amen. I've given away watches before. I've given shoes away, suits away, ties away. I've given watches away. I can't give you this watch. Tanya bought me this watch. See, my wife. So if I give this watch away, I'm in trouble. She bought it for my 50th birthday, so I'm wearing it today. Okay? So this is just an illustration. Just an illustration. He ain't getting this watch. I am not leaving Georgia without this watch. I tell you right now. How do you think you would feel if you were in the mall and you saw a watch and you go, Oh, I'm going to get that for Pastor. It's his 25th anniversary. He's been here 25 years. And you buy this watch. And you go up to him and you say, Pastor, I love you, man. I praise God for you and Sister Pastor, your family. You've been such a blessing to me. And for your 25th anniversary, I saw this in the mall the other day, and I thought of you, and I just wanted to get it for you. And I want you to have this. And he turns it down. I want you to have this watch. Yeah, I'll be glad to have it. Thank you. All right, okay. No. Sit down. I need somebody to work with me. All right, you, you, you want? Okay, okay, you. This is your second chance. Jonah got a second chance. Now you getting a second chance. Okay, you know, Pastor. Get. I, I want to give you this watch because I love and appreciate you, and you've been a blessing. I just want you to have it. Can't take it. Can't take it. Well, Pastor, no, I just, I bought it for you. I just, I, I just want you to have it because I, I love and appreciate you and your family. You just, you just cost too much and, and I don't deserve it. Thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. But, but Pastor, I bought it for you. That's okay. I, I, I've already got a watch. Do you know how you would feel if you bought your pastor a gift and he rejected it? Let's tell it like you'd be hurt. To me, the saddest scripture in the Bible is John 1, 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. You don't have to be worthy to receive this gift. You don't have to be wealthy to receive this gift. Because I don't hurt your feelings. I don't care how much money you got. You don't have enough money to buy what God gave us. You don't have enough money in your banking account to do what God has. You can't buy this. I said, you cannot buy this. But the next verse, verse 12. But as many as received him, gave he power to become the sons of God. I'm telling you, the gift of forgiveness changes you into being a nobody to somebody. You are now a child of God. Look who you are now. All because of the gift. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. All you can do is receive it. Brother Gary, I don't deserve what God's done for me. Join the club. None of us do. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody in this sanctuary. Jesus died for people who didn't deserve it. Jesus forgives people who don't deserve it. 
He deserved this. He forgave this woman in Luke 7 who had many sins. He, he, he forgave the woman caught in adultery when some folks had rocks in their hands ready to stone her. Let the one without sin cast the first stone. He forgave a thief on the cross. Think about it. Jesus in the middle. A thief to the left. A thief to the right. Two guilty men dying with an innocent man. And a guilty man looked at an innocent man and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The innocent man spoke back to the guilty man and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. I got a word for you. It doesn't take God three months to forgive you. It doesn't take God six months to forgive you. I'm telling you, the moment you ask is the moment you receive. The moment you ask is the moment you receive. Ask and you shall receive. And pastor, when that thief took his last breath, he's with Jesus today. And all it took was asking. I want to tell you what the devil... Can I just talk to you? I want to tell you what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to live the rest of your life in guilt, shame, and condemnation. He wants to beat you up. So that you walk around like this. Because as long as you have guilt, shame, and condemnation, most people, when they're living with that, their heads are down. Notice Jesus said, lift up your head. Your redemption is close by. Can I tell you something? Now I'm going to mess with your theology. See, I don't know if and when I'll get back. Matter of fact, I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm supposed to be in Tampa, Florida today. I was scheduled to be in Tampa. I was going to fly, and all that got everything. And I'm talking to a friend, and I told him I, I got canceled. I was supposed to be in Tampa, Florida. I can't get. He said, "I got a friend. Let me call him." Next thing I know, I'm talking to this man on the phone. I don't know you, brother Gary. You know you sound real official on the phone. I'm going, oh, Jesus, I'm talking to somebody important. <laughs> Brother Gary. He said, I'll, I'd like to have a guest. He said, now tell me when. He said, I've been wanting to have a guest for this Sunday, but I didn't know who to get. Right, that's true. I talked to every guy, and he said, you're all right. Check me out. Next thing I know, I'm coming here. Could, 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 could it have been, could it have been, could it have been that the Lord rearranged? Could it have been that the Lord turned things around? For me to stand at a place I've never stood before, don't know nobody. And look you in the eye and tell you, He's ready to forgive you. Quit letting the devil beat you up. He's ready to forgive you. Quit letting the devil beat you up. Now get ready. And he's ready today. Not three months from now. Today. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This is, this is going to be hard for some of you. Because I'm going to tell you that even Christians at times need forgiveness. Now, Brother Gary, my theology is that Christians don't sin. Well, all I'm going to tell you is hang around. If your theology is Christians don't sin, just hang around church a while. We will blow your mind. Because I'm going to tell you, even Christians need forgiveness at times. Even Christians need to say, Lord, forgive me. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't have done. Sometimes we do things we shouldn't do. Sometimes we act like we shouldn't act. 
I started preaching when I was 18. I'm 53. Many times, Pastor, I've had to get on my knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my attitude. Forgive me for the way I talked to my wife. Lord, forgive me for the way I treated my boys. Lord, forgive me. Here's the good news. is every time we need forgiveness. Listen to John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now let me tell you something about this gift. Once you have received this gift, the gift of forgiveness, you are then responsible to share this gift. This thing called forgiveness cannot be a one-way street. If I have received it, then I must give it. I cannot have Jesus forgive me and then me going around holding grudges against everybody. Freely you have received, freely you must give. I was in Israel in November. Anybody here ever been to Israel? You ever been to the Dead Sea? See, let me tell you why the Dead Sea is dead. Nothing lives in it. Fish don't live in it. Plant life doesn't live in it. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It's dead. It's dying. They'll say in the next 50 years it'll dry up. It's going down an inch a month. So that's a foot a year. It's decreasing. They say in the next 50 years it'll, it'll be gone. Here it is. Here's why the Dead Sea is dead and nothing lives in it. It only receives. It never gives. It is a body that the River Jordan flows into, but it never gives out. Look at me. Anything or anybody that only receives and never gives out will be dead. Brother Gary, you don't know what was done to me. You come in here and, and you get up here and you preach. You don't know us. You don't know, you don't know who ripped me off, who stabbed me in the back. You don't know what was done to me. I don't, but I know what Jesus did for you. What's this? Here it is. Here it is. They're nailing him to the cross. He's already been beaten. Stripes on his back. Crown of thorns on his head. He's already been beaten like an animal. They got him stretched out and laid out and putting spikes in his hands and feet. And here's what Jesus does. Father, forgive them. In your Bible, it says it one time. My Bible says one time. But if you study the Greek, it implies he said it many times. Over and over again, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Look at me. A lot of violations and a lot of offenses come through ignorance. They don't know what they're doing. Look at me. Some of you have had some bad things done to you. I see it in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you have had some bad things. Look at me. But if Jesus can forgive the people who nailed Him to the cross, can you forgive the people who violated you? I was at a church not long ago, and I'm praying for people. It's a night, and we're, I'm having church. I'm praying for people. There's this woman. I've got a line. There's this woman. I mean, she's just crawling. She just, just tears. I get up to her. She can't really talk. She's just weeping so uncontrollably. She can't really talk. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. And finally, I get her stable enough to, to I said, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? She looked at me, and she said, when I was a little girl, my daddy raped me. When I was a little girl, my daddy abused me. But she said, I can't get over it. I can't get over it. She said, my daddy's dead now. She was in her 30s. My daddy's dead and I can't get over it. I took her through a prayer of forgiveness. Look at me. It is a lie of the devil that you can't get over it. Sometimes you have to forgive people that don't deserve it. Sometimes you have to forgive people who do not deserve it. But you're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. Can I do? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can, can, 
can I? I want everybody in this house you're dealing with an offense to hold your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Everybody, come on. Hold your hand up. You're dealing with an offense. Hold your hand up. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm telling you, something powerful is fixing to happen in this house. I want everybody, you're dealing with an offense to hold your hand up and make a fist. Now, I want you to think that what you, that fist that you're making, the offense is in that hand. You're holding that offense. Somebody violated you. Somebody ripped you off. Somebody lied about you. Somebody did you in. And you got it in your hand. Now let me tell you what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. You can't get over something as long as you hold on to it. You keep holding on to it, you won't ever get over it. You got to let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Casting all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. I want everybody right now to raise your right hand and make a fist. When I tell you to, don't do it till I tell you. But when I tell you to, when I say, when I tell you to, open your fist. I want you to do it like this, slowly. And I want you to say this word, I let it go. Hold your hand up and make a fist. Lord Jesus, today. Because of your forgiveness, we're able to forgive. Because you forgave us, I can forgive others. Lord, there are people here today that are dealing with trespasses. Some of them are dealing with violations. Some of them have been sinned against. It wasn't right. Forgiveness doesn't mean it was right. Forgiveness doesn't mean you approve of it. Lord, there... There are some women in this building that's dealing with some deep, deep hurts from years ago. There are some men in this building dealing with some things in their past they cannot change, but they got to let it go. What happened, happened. You can't change it. But that doesn't mean you have to hold on to it. You are dealing with some things you'll never be able to change, but that doesn't mean you got to hold on to it the rest of your life. I'm telling you something supernatural is about to happen in this congregation. Think about it. Through forgiveness, God could take us to a level we've never been before. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who loved us and gave himself for us and died for our sins and forgave us of our sins, we now release those who have trespassed against us and violated us. Open your hand and say, I let it go. Say it, I let it go. Come on, say it, I let it go. Shout it, I let it go. Somebody say, I let it go. I'm not taking it home. I'm not taking it home. I'm leaving it with the Lord. I refuse to walk around with it anymore. It has now gone. I release it. It's gone. Now somebody raise both hands and praise Him all over this building. Come on, raise up both hands and praise Him right now. Praise Him. Come on, somebody raise up both hands and praise Him for His forgiveness. Praise Him for His forgiveness. Will you say the words, I let it go? I let it go. You say the words, I let it go. I let it go. Amen. Will you say the words, I let it go? I let it go. Will you tell me, I let it go? I let it go. Will you tell me, I let it go? I let it go. Will you say the words, I let it go? I let it go. Oh, will you tell me, I let it go? I let it go. Sir, will you tell me, I let it go? I let it go. Hallelujah. 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 Will you tell me I let it go? I let it go. Sir, will you tell me I let it go? I let it go. Man, will you tell me I let it go? I let it go. Oh, somebody praise Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far. Would you stand to your feet, everybody? Clap your hands and give God a praise for forgiveness. Come on, praise Him for His forgiveness. Praise Him for His forgiveness. Come on, praise Him, we are forgiven. Praise Him, we are forgiven. Look at me. I'm sorry I preached so long. I didn't mean to. 
I just can't turn it off. I can't stop it. My God. I'm... Look at me. Forgiveness is the greatest gift you will ever receive. And forgiveness is the greatest gift you will ever give. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is the greatest gift you will ever receive. And forgiveness is the greatest gift you will ever give. Pastor, he told me he'd been here 25 years. Told me he had hair when he came here. I'm eight days older than him. I believe the next 25 are going to be greater than the last 25. I believe the next 25. Look at me. And I pray you love sinners. I pray you become known as the church that loves sinners. I pray you make room for sinners. So your pastor can get up and tell them God loves them and Jesus died for them. Unforgiveness has hurt so many churches. Unforgiveness has divided churches. Unforgiveness has split congregations. Unforgiveness has caused church wars. I pray that would never be in this house. Jesus said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. Look at me. I know I'm in a Pentecostal church. He didn't say this is how they'll know you're my disciples. If you work miracles. If you speak in tongues, you give out prophecies. This is how they'll know you're my, if you love one another. I pray the love of God fills this church like a river. I mean, you just love everybody and anybody. I pray the love of God and the forgiveness of God. I want you to look at your neighbor right now. I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell him, I'm going to love you whether you like it or not. Come here, Pastor. Now look at me. Pastor, thank you for letting me be with you today. Will you let me do one thing? Look at me. I need you. Would you pray for me before we leave? Yes. There's three things I need. I did something crazy 20 months ago. I left a good church and I've been traveling. I've been in 13 different states. I'm going for all 50. It's just, you know, I'm getting there. I need three things. I need souls. I've prayed and asked the Lord to give me more souls in my 50s than my 20s, 30s, and 40s combined. I want to see a whole lot of people getting saved. Secondly, I need some miracles. I need some miracles. What God has put in my heart to do, my checkbook won't allow I don't have the resources. There's some things the Lord put in my heart I can't even talk about yet. It will come, but it's not here yet. I need some miracles. Look at me. We should never stumble over the word miracle. I got a good word for you. The kingdom of God is not in a recession. I said the kingdom of God is not in a recession. I need souls. Miracles and connections. God has blessed me. Your connection for me. See, nobody is a success by themselves. We are laborers together. God will, God will let you fail by yourself, but He, you can't succeed by yourself. You, God will let you fall flat on your face all by yourself. But if you win, you'll never win by yourself. Would you take this mic? And I know this is inappropriate and I shouldn't say it. But I sure hope you let me come back one day. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say it. I, I, I know. I know. It's, I shouldn't have said that. But I, will you forgive me? No, no, no apology necessary. Amen. I'm going to step down there. I'm going to ask you to take this microphone and I'm going to have you ask your people to stretch forth their hand. And will you pray over me and my ministry?
Will you pray for souls, miracles, and connections? Amen. The pastoral staff that's here, come if you will. All the other pastors that may be here, come and stand with us. Elders that are here, come and stand around our brother. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Stretch your hands this way, church. Father, thank you for our brother Gary. Lord, you orchestrated this day before he knew it and I knew it. This is our first meeting, God, this morning. But you met him and met me at the appointed time to bring us for such a moment as this. Lord, thank you for the powerful preaching of the gospel. God, his preaching has made me better, made us better. His coming by our way is not accident. It's God's appointment. God, we are delivered and blessed and encouraged and forgiven because you, O God, have given us the gift. We anoint our brother Gary. Come on, church. We pray, O God, for the three things that he has mentioned. Oh, come on, church. Lord, I believe you'll use him in all 50 states and beyond and give him souls. Because when souls come into the kingdom, Lord, your kingdom is advanced and lives are changed. Let hundreds and thousands, oh God, come into the kingdom of God of every nationality, every culture, every ethnicity. I pray in Jesus' name, red or yellow, black or white or brown, bring them in the kingdom. Father, would you give him miracles? Because the dream and vision you've given him is bigger than he is. But you've given it to him for he to prove you. So supply the miracles and the resources. Amen, church. And would you give him connections, God? Kingdom connections. Not for his promotion or mine's, but for the promotion of the kingdom of God. Bless his wife. Bless his grown sons. Bless his ministry. And, oh God, may he preach with fire and unction from the glory world. Because you blessed him, others will be blessed. We pray that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And everybody put your hands together and thank God.